We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 498 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. A new month is upon us, but so much for the commanders hiring Sean Payton as their head coach. So much for the wild, borderline, irresponsible speculation that was espoused by ESPN NFL analyst Rex Ryan on ESPN this past Sunday. Uh, Sexy Rexy saying that he could see the commanders being playa playas for head coach Sean Payton and Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady, who is said to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. In case you missed Sexy Rexy on Sunday, here he was. I'm telling you, watch the the Washington Commanders in this. Huh? Well, because here's why. I know, but here's why. Randy, this is why I say it could happen. There's a strong possibility that there's going to be a change in ownership. All right? And when that happens, these owners aren't tied in to that coach. And, and to me, I can see a Sean Payton, Tom Brady. We talk about Miami. Well, what just... The Miami contact and Brady, it was the Sean Payton. It was going to be that marriage of those two. So I could possibly see that down the road. If he doesn't sign with the Raiders immediately, I could see this as a possibility. Yeah, well, so much for that. So much for a Sean Payton, Tom Brady head coach, quarterback combo for the commanders. Hey, maybe we'll get a Rod Rivera. Tom Brady, head coach, quarterback combo for the Commanders. Major NFL news on Tuesday afternoon. The Denver Broncos reportedly have agreed on a trade for Peyton. Uh, This with the New Orleans Saints, who of course still hold Peyton's rights. So the Broncos are giving up a first round pick in the 2023 NFL draft and a second round pick in the 2024 NFL draft for Peyton and the 2024 third round pick. Look, Sean Payton did a good job as Saints head coach, but the truth is that the track record of NFL head coaches in go-rounds as head coaches after initial successful NFL head coaching stints is not great. Uh, See Mike Ditka with the New Orleans Saints. 
Uh, see George Seifert with the Carolina Panthers. See Jimmy Johnson with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, see Mike Shanahan with the Redskins. Uh, and yes, see Ron Rivera with Washington, at least so far. Uh, speaking of our guy, Don Ron, uh, he for a second consecutive year is not attending Senior Bowl week in Mobile, Alabama. Yes, this is Senior Bowl week, a horde of commanders, executives, and coaches, and personnel are attending Senior Bowl week, but Ron is not. Uh, what is Ron doing? Uh, <laughs> Ron is participating in the PGA Tours AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, I have to tell you, if there is a strategic reason for Ron not attending Senior Bowl week. I'm willing to listen, okay? I am. I'm serious when I say that. Uh, but yeah, on the surface, uh, I can't say that I love this, okay? I mean, you are the head coach in a coach-centric approach. You preside over player personnel for the commanders. Uh, you over three seasons as Washington head coach have yet to have a winning regular season. Uh, basically, your entire staff is attending Senior Bowl week. You know, last year, Ron was spending time with his parents. His mom died later in the year. I never uh, was all over Ron for not attending Senior Bowl week last year. This year may be a different story. Again, I am open to hearing from Ron why exactly he's not attending Senior Bowl week. Maybe there is a good reason. Uh, you know, it's not like Ron has the reputation for being lazy or anything like that. So he may have a good reason for not being in Mobile. We'll see. But on the surface, I can't say that I'm a fan of this. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, Ron may not be in Mobile, but we are here for you following sports so that you don't have to. And next segment, I have another good guest for you. Josh Hermsmeyer of 538.com. Uh, we are going to talk about what the commanders can learn from the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles, including what the commanders can learn from the Eagles' quarterback approach that has resulted in them having a breakout star in Jalen Hurts. Uh, Josh is one of the top minds in NFL analytics. He has studied the Eagles' team-building philosophy and draft process, and there are definite lessons for our franchise quarterback, Needy Commanders. As much as we all despise the Eagles and resent like crazy their success, you need to pay attention to not just what the Eagles are doing, but how they are doing what they are doing. Hey, hopefully Ron Rivera, while he's on the links, is listening to this episode of the podcast. Josh Hermsmeyer of 538.com is coming up next segment. Also on the show, the Capitals, a 4-3 overtime win at the worst team in the NHL, the Columbus Blue Jackets on Tuesday night, and the Caps' final game until February 11th, uh, thanks to the NHL All-Star break and then the Caps bye week. Uh, we got to talk Maryland basketball. Mike Terrapins, a 66-55 win over number 21 Indiana at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Tuesday night. Uh, I'll discuss Virginia Tech basketball. The Hokies did lose on Tuesday night, a 92-83 loss at number 23 Miami. And I have some thoughts on the Nationals for you off yet another report indicating that a sale of the Nats probably isn't coming anytime soon. Heck, may not come until next offseason if the sale happens at all. That good. You can tweet me 
at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Edge on the Wizards of their big win on Monday night, the 127-106 win at the San Antonio Spurs, which was the Wizards' first regular season win at the Spurs since December 11th. 1999. The Wizards, with that win, snapped a 22-game regular season losing streak at the Spurs, and the Wiz won their season-best sixth consecutive game. Anyway, Wright's Edge, Wizards win at the Spurs. Question, what were you doing in 1999? Me personally, I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that, Edge. I'm not sure that I want to know what you were doing in December 1999. I, in December 1999, uh, was a junior at the University of Maryland. I was hosting the pregame and postgame Maryland basketball shows on the student radio station, the mighty 10-watt power WMUC. You basically had to be on campus in order to hear the station, uh, which was on 88.1 FM, as in all the way at the bottom of your radio dial. Uh, I think the station now is online only, but uh, I had a lot of great experiences working at the mighty 10-watt power WMUC. Uh, Email from Rich on Commander's quarterback Sam Howell, maybe, possibly, being like Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Writes Rich, We've all watched Jalen Hurts improve as the Eagles quarterback. He's not the prototypical quarterback height, but he is super athletic, tough, a good leader, and committed to improving himself. His completion percentage has improved steadily. Call me crazy, but could Sam Howell have similar success? He's a little short for a quarterback. He has a tougher and thicker build. He's not as athletic as Hertz is, but Howell is more mobile than most quarterbacks. His arm is better than Hertz's arm, and Howell is a natural and accurate thrower. Both the 49ers and the Eagles reached the NFC Championship game by starting a non-first-round quarterback and fielding an excellent team. In a conference free of Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen, is it not a valid strategy to run with Howell and load up the team as best we can through the draft and free agency. We've tried the veteran quarterback route over and over. Let's try something new and create a system that enhances Howell's strengths. We've got the playmakers to make this work. Uh, Thank you for the email, Rich. Yeah, this is a lot of what I talked about on episode 491 of the podcast, Uh, what the success of Jalen Hurts and the San Francisco 49ers Brock Purdy could mean for Sam Howell. Uh, It is true that the overwhelming majority of non-first-round quarterbacks do not become starting NFL quarterbacks, to say nothing of not becoming franchise quarterbacks. And that's a reality that you really cannot lose sight of in any Sam Howell conversation. But it's also true that the NFC playoffs this season featured five of the seven starting quarterbacks being non-first-round quarterbacks. And it's true that three of the four starting NFC quarterbacks on divisional round weekend were non-first-round quarterbacks. In the AFC right now, we have this onslaught of young stud franchise quarterbacks, all of whom were first-round picks. But in the NFC right now, we have this very unique mix of first-round quarterbacks and non first round quarterbacks. So specific to Sam Howell, the fact that the commanders took him in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft 
should not be some automatic disqualifier, especially when you consider that Sam Howell is not your normal fifth-round quarterback, right? Sam, in the 2021 offseason, was viewed as the potential number one pick in the 2022 draft. Very few day three quarterbacks were ever viewed as the potential number one picks in those quarterbacks' drafts. I would, though, add a couple of things. Number one, the Eagles have done an outstanding job of embracing who Jalen Hurts is as a quarterback and going with that. The Eagles have done an excellent job of tailoring their offense to Jalen Hurts. If the commanders are going to have Jalen Hurts-like success with Sam Howell, then the commanders need to do the same thing with Sam, and that is go all in on tailoring their offense to Sam. Now, is Sam worthy of that? We don't know. But this thing of, you know, square peg and round hole, you can't be doing that if you're going to be maximizing young quarterbacks, especially if you're going to be maximizing non-first round quarterbacks. Number two, and I can't emphasize this enough, even if the commanders are going to go with Sam Howell as their QB1 for the 2023 season, they still need to be very open to taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2023 draft and even trading up to take a quarterback in the 2023 draft. This is why I had Ian Wharton of Pro Football Network on Friday's show, episode 495. Ian gave us a great film breakdown of Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson, who seems to have the greatest upside of any of the quarterbacks in what is perceived to be a quarterback-rich 2023 draft. But Richardson is raw. And so he may well be available to the commanders with their number 16 overall pick in the draft, or may well at least be available close enough to that number 16 pick to where a trade-up is very doable. Having Sam Howell should in no way preclude the commanders from being ultra-aggressive in the draft if there's a quarterback who they like and who is realistically available to them. Because as I have been saying, uh, until you have a franchise quarterback, you need to be constantly searching for a franchise quarterback. And if you have a case, you should, wait for it, yes, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, uh, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace.
Make more money from your business or practice by advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. If you would like to advertise on the pod and reach thousands of people in the Washington, D.C. area and grow your business or practice at a very affordable price, we have a special deals going on right now. Hit us up. See what we can do for you. Put the power of the pod to work for you. You can email us the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. It is impossible as a Commanders fan to look at the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles and not be incredibly jealous. It was less than 25 months ago that Washington won at Philadelphia 2014 on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 to win what was a terrible NFC East in the 2020 season. Uh, The Eagles tanked that game, right? Uh, Then Eagles head coach Doug Peterson in the fourth quarter benched quarterback Jalen Hurts in favor of, right, former Redskins quarterback Nate Sudfeld. Uh, The Eagles finished that 2020 regular season 4-11-1 and last in the NFC East and soon fired Peterson. But here we are less than 25 months later and the Eagles are NFC champions while Washington over its three seasons with Ron Rivera as head coach still has not had a winning regular season. What can and should the commanders learn from what the Eagles have done? I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast right now, Josh Hermsmeyer of 538.com, which is one of the top analytics websites. Uh, Josh writes a lot of really good pieces about the NFL. He recently wrote a piece about the rise of the Eagles, headline, How the Eagles Built a Winner by Overdrafting Quarterbacks. You can follow Josh on Twitter, at Frisco Josh. Hey, Josh, how are you? Doing good, Al. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on. Before we get to the specifics of what the Eagles did, let's just bottom line this. What should be the top takeaway for a franchise quarterback needy team like the Commanders uh, from this rise of the Eagles? Yeah, I think the main takeaway is one that's applicable to almost every team out there who isn't absolutely locked and loaded at quarterback. Even teams with great elite quarterbacks should probably be thinking about what happens if things go pear-shaped in a season. So, uh, the answer is you, you want to keep drafting, you want to keep taking shots. Uh, what the Eagles did is something that basically the Chiefs did when they had Alex Smith. You know, they, they had just made the playoffs and uh, they drafted Mahomes, traded up to the bottom of the first round to draft Mahomes. Um, so they had him for a fifth year option, which I think is smart. And then the Eagles did something similar. They took uh, Hertz in the second round when they had just gone to the playoffs with Wentz, who obviously is now a Washington commander uh, or is currently. I don't know if he will continue to be. Uh, and, and I just think that's a smart way to team build. I mean, you go all the way back to Steve Walsh and Troy Aikman getting drafted basically in the same offseason and uh, kind of fighting through who was going to be the winner there, trading the one who didn't win the camp battle away and the season-long battle away. And, uh, and I think you saw what happened with uh, the Eagles. They got quite a bit of draft capital back for wins. Heck, even the Colts got some pretty good picks from you guys uh, in Washington. So I I don't think there's a ton of downside to continue to take shots at the most important position in sports. Yeah, well, Washington has the distinction of having given up assets for both Alex Smith and Carson Wentz. Uh, that (laughs) That tells you all that you need to know. Now, the headline of your piece, How the Eagles Built a Winner by Overdrafting Quarterbacks. The 
phrase over drafting quarterbacks. I mean, it's not like the Eagles have drafted a ton of quarterbacks in recent years. The team uh, made the big trade for the number two pick in the 2016 NFL draft in which the Eagles took our current friend Carson Wentz. And the Eagles spent a second round pick in the 2020 draft on Jalen Hurts, the only other quarterback taken by the Eagles in an NFL draft since 2016 is Clayton Thorson in the fifth round of the 2019 draft. So when you say that the Eagles overdrafted quarterbacks, what exactly do you mean by that? I, I, I put it in terms in the article of draft capital. Um, they've spent three times as many picks in terms of draft capital on wide receivers. Um, or they, they made three times as many picks to, on wide receivers as uh, they have on quarterbacks, but they spent almost as much draft capital on the three quarterbacks they drafted. And as you mentioned, one of them was, I think, a sixth or seventh round pick that barely even registers. So when they did decide that they were going to take a shot at the most important position, they did it with a premium pick. And that's that's really what I'm talking about. Is like You can't spend... I mean, I don't think it's really useful to spend those late round picks on quarterbacks that hit rates just so low. You have to actually spend something like a... Usually a second and up, but you know there are guys like Russell Wilson that have come from the third round. You mentioned draft capital. Uh, the Eagles executive vice president and general manager is Howie Roseman. He actually has had two stints as Eagles GM because Chip Kelly, for most of the calendar year of 2015, had player personnel control before being fired as Eagles head coach. And late December 2015. He, by the way, was fired after a home loss uh, to the Redskins. But uh, you, in looking at Howie Roseman in a second stint as Eagles GM, so since late December 2015, find that he has spent Eagles draft capital at the most valuable positions. Uh, the positions at which Roseman, in his second stint as Eagles GM, has spent the most draft capital are number one, receivers, number two, quarterbacks, number three, interior defensive linemen, number four, edge defenders. Uh, how did you go about assessing draft capital, and what did you make of these findings? I was uh, impressed with uh, just how everything shook out for Howie. He really has been I mean, my view from the outside and talking to some people I know who've been with the team previously is that he puts up some pretty strong guardrails when it comes to uh, the positions that he's willing to draft. And then after that, he'll allow his scouts to really kind of help him navigate the board and, and figure out who within those those uh, um, those positions that they should really target. And then there are things like tiers, right? So like, you know, scouts are actually really good at identifying where a huge drop off in talent occurs. And so it seems to me that Howie's pretty good at identifying those tiers and then they trade up it to the bottom of it so that they make sure they get a guy, at least one guy within that top, that top tier they're targeting. Um, so I think uh, where the, where the idea behind, uh, or excuse me, where I was able to evaluate and, and value these picks came from a, a draft curve that was produced by um, Mike Lopez, who works for the NFL now. And he's a statistician. And he basically took this idea of, well, if you look at the average return on pick number one through pick number 250, right, and you give it a number, he says, maybe that's the wrong way to think about how, um, you know, the average value is the wrong way to think about um, high draft picks. He says, well, what you really want is the big hit, right? You want the elite player coming out of there. So what he did was he blended the two numbers between a top tier pick, a 101 that turns into, say, uh, uh, Joe Burrow uh, versus a 101 that turns into, you know, think of any other failed quarterback, the guy on, on the Raiders I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm, I'm misplacing his name at the moment, uh, but he wouldn't watch the tape. And Jamarcus Russell? 
Demarcus Russell, that's the man. Uh, I remember the the story was they gave him the 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 tapes to go home and study, and they 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 worked in such a way they knew if he, he never opened it, <laughs> they would know. And he, he never opened, he never he never studied the tape. But anyway, uh, so blending that and saying you want at least a little bit, you want to be shooting in the moon, right? You want to be looking for those top tier picks. Um, it is probably the right way to to, to value them, and so that's what I used. A long, long-winded way of of saying, we incorporated the idea of upside into all of these picks, and and I think that's uh, that's the right way to do it. Howie Roseman is known to be one of the more progressive executives in the NFL, a guy who is very in on analytics. Uh, when it comes to the usage of and buy-in on analytics, uh, are the Eagles, in fact, the number one team in the NFL? Yeah, we talked about tiers. And I really think it's uh, the Eagles and everyone else. Um, I think there are smart teams out there. Um, you know, obviously uh, the Ravens are, are, are very sharp. Um, you know, there are other teams that have done sharp things like Buffalo. Um, but I really think there's a huge gap between what what the Eagles have ended up doing since Howie took over personnel control again at the end of 2015 and uh, and everyone else. Much more with Josh Hermsmeyer in moments. Uh, Finding a franchise quarterback when you don't have one is hard, but managing your money is easy with the Hiatus app. Uh, If you have not downloaded the Hiatus app, what are you waiting for? Uh, I've downloaded the Hiatus app, and it's great. Uh, Hiatus is a personal financial management app that allows you to take full control of your money. The Hiatus app is a great way of getting your bills, your utilities, and your subscriptions organized. Uh, Get a better handle on where your money is going and download the Hiatus app. Uh, Hiatus allows you to see all of your subscriptions in one place and lets you cancel the ones that you don't want or need in just a few taps. Uh, Hiatus can alert you if any of your monthly bills, like your cell phone bill or internet bill, uh, are negotiable. And Hiatus has an in-house team that actually can negotiate and lower those bills for you. Download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. There's no cost of downloading the app. Download it and see what it can do for you. Again, download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. Hiatus, take control of your money. More now with Josh Hermsmeyer of 538.com. Regarding Howie Roseman and the Eagles being ultra-aggressive at the quarterback position. Something that has stood out to me for years now is what the Eagles did in the 2016 offseason. The Eagles that offseason, A, made the big trade for the number two pick in the 2016 draft to take Carson Wentz, B, signed Sam Bradford to a contract extension, and C, signed former Redskin Chase Daniel to a rather healthy contract as an unrestricted free agent. Three years, $21 million. The Eagles in that 2016 offseason were uber-aggressive at the quarterback position, but not just via the draft. Would you recommend that a quarterback-needy team like the Commanders uh, incorporate free agency and the trade market uh, into quarterback aggression? Typically not, unless you're trying to accumulate backups just because it becomes so pricey. Um, you know, if you know what he is, what the guy is, like, for instance, Lamar Jackson, he, he's probably going to be worth whatever they pay him. Um, he's got an MVP under his belt. You know what his upside is. He's shown it. And you just have to pay for that. It's just too important at the position. You don't want to go back into taking those swings in the draft and trying to find that guy again when you have him in the building already. Um, but 
But I think what the other part of this, though, and I mentioned in the article, is that, you know, the Eagles' success really isn't a function of, like, some amazing triumph of evaluation. It wasn't like they, they, they did this great job of picking the right players. They really did just pick a bunch of players at the right positions. And so I don't have any problem with signing reasonably priced free agents. And again, I think everyone should be paid a fair wage. This is, I'm not like pro team in any in any way. But if you're talking about team building, um, you, you want to find players who are willing to take a paycheck that you think is probably a little less than they're worth to prove themselves. And I think uh, that's a smart thing to do with backup QB. I mean, look, look at what the heck happened to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I mean, to blow through four quarterbacks in one season and, and, and two of your, you know, your third and your fourth string in one game, just crazy. Um, it definitely underlines um, the importance of having depth at that position. When Howie Roseman and the Eagles spent that second round pick in the 2020 draft on Jalen Hurts, despite Carson Wentz in the 2019 season, having had a pretty good season, did Roseman believe back then that Hurts could be a franchise quarterback? Uh, were the Eagles already souring on Carson? Like, what was the organizational thinking truly with the Jalen Hurts selection? I know almost, well, I've heard, and so I, I'm, I'm confident in the opinion that there were no scouts in the building who liked that pick. So I really think it was a process pick. This was him just really saying, he was listening to some of his analytics people who are saying we can't pass up on a QB here. It's just too big a value. Yes, we don't need him, but we might. Um, and, and so I think it really was just, just what he said in his presser after the pick that they want a strong QB room. And, uh, you know, it, it turned out that, you know, I, I, we've heard different things about Wentz and this is something I don't know as much about it. Maybe you can speak to it, but, uh, did, did Wentz have the exact same problems as he had in Indy and, and Philly in the locker room in, in Washington? Did he kind of lose, lose the players? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, it's a funny thing. Every indication is that Carson Wentz as a commander's quarterback this season was all class. Uh, what I think happened is that the commanders and Carson Wentz got an improved version of Carson the person, uh, but got a diminished version of of Carson, the quarterback. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So I, I just think that it's kind of unknowable, right? I mean, injuries and ineffectiveness strike when you least expect it. And so uh, insurance policies are the order of the day. No doubt. And Washington has learned that lesson quite a few times in recent seasons, at least three different starting quarterbacks for Washington in each of the team's last five regular seasons. So your advice to the commanders as they remain in the quarterback wilderness, uh, even if they are intrigued by Sam Howell, is that they should be aggressive in taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2023 draft. Heck, I think the Eagles should even be picking. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So you're going to get the you're going to get that answer out of me for Washington for sure. I actually think uh, Chicago should probably consider a quarterback, even though I like Fields. So yeah, no, you just keep taking shots. You just keep taking shots. Like I said, if it turns out that you have an abundance and of riches, then you just trade one away, and then you probably get eighty cents on the dollar back. So this actually is the second time that we've spoken. Uh, the first time was in 
April 2019. And I remember that because we spoke in the lead up to the 2019 NFL draft in which the Redskins took quarterback Dwayne Haskins with the number 15 overall pick in a move that was ordered by the owner, Dan Snyder, and was against the wishes of the football people in the organization. But uh, uh, that's another story. But I had John in the lead up to that 2019 draft because of a piece that you had written a few months earlier, a headline, The NFL is drafting quarterbacks all wrong. Well, here we are, four years later. uh, The hit rate on first-round quarterbacks remains low. Is the NFL still drafting quarterbacks all wrong? And what is the right way to draft quarterbacks? Yeah, my thinking's evolved since I wrote that. I'm a little embarrassed by the the title. (laughs) One of the guys... One of the guys that I list on there, I think it was uh, Will. Uh, gosh, who was my second place guy? He was a Carolina Carolina pick in the third round quarterback. Ah, uh, yes, Will Greer, uh, who was drafted by then Carolina Panthers general manager and current Commanders executive Marty Herney. Turned out to be a, just a terrible character guy. Uh, anyway. My new position on quarterbacks is that no one knows anything about them. And evaluating them is just just really difficult. And uh, like, for instance, my model would have told you Josh Allen is no good. And he's obviously turned out to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And so uh, now I'm, I'm a little more humble. I think that uh, I think that what the right way to approach the position now in the draft room is to realize what you don't know, to know what you don't know. And because of that, to communicate that within the building Community manage up to your owner so that they understand that, hey, we're taking shots here. This isn't just because we're spending a high draft pick on this guy doesn't mean we believe we found the guy that this is some sure thing. And, and I think that's a much more healthy way to view these kind of dart throws um, at the top of the draft for QB. I brought up the hit rate on first round quarterbacks. That rate is low. I mean, I've done the exercise of going through recent NFL drafts and labeling first round quarterbacks as hits or misses. I'm sure you've done something similar. I mean, we can quibble on a few guys, but you're looking at a hit rate of between 30 and 40 percent. Given all of the data and information that we now have. Do you think that the NFL will ever be at a point at which the hit rate on first round quarterbacks is say 50% or is the nature of the position such that the hit rate probably isn't going to be getting much better than what it is? Yeah, I was really hopeful uh, about roundabout when we talked that there was going to be this avalanche of new data that we might be able to leverage to actually make a difference and make a dent in how we evaluate quarterbacks, especially from college to the pros it really didn't shake out the way I expected. And and so I think it's kind of like what we what we see with stock pickers now. is like everyone's gotten a little bit better, right, as they've gotten more data on companies. But because the tide lifted all boats, you really don't have a huge differential between teams um, and so and between pickers. And so I, I think we're really stuck with with where we're at. I think the, the big stride we might make would be in evaluating what goes on upstairs, like somewhere between the ears. If you can make big strides there, I think you might be able to uh, to crack the code on QBs. Last one for you, and you may have just sort of answered this, but are there any truly telling stats for college quarterbacks that correlate with success for them as NFL quarterbacks? We know that rushing ability does translate pretty well, um, as long as they're doing it against good competition. Um, like Trey Lance is still a big unknown. Like I, he watched his limited snaps in the NFL. He really doesn't look like he has the speed and ability to get to the outside the way you might like 
from a Russian quarterback. Um, and that's a function of just playing in, in a lower level environment. I think he looked a lot better than he actually is. But guys like Bryce Young, guys like Hertz, having that mobile quarterback is something that basically translates. You can hang your hat on that. Other things I've looked at in the past that have been somewhat good are like CPOE, which is this idea of if you adjust for the environment and the depth of the throw and how hard it is, that, that you might get a little idea about how accurate and uh, the timing of uh, the, the ability for a, a quarterback to throw on time and on target. Uh, but in general, once you've tiered these guys, right, once you know here's our top four, just pick one because you're probably not going to get any better than that. Excellent insight on what our quarterback-hungry commanders can learn from the Eagles and also on the nature of drafting quarterbacks. Josh Hermsmeyer of 538.com. Josh, thanks a lot and all the best. Had fun. Thanks, Al. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Well, the Capitals on Tuesday night played their last game for a while. Uh, we this weekend have the NHL All-Star break, and then after that comes the Caps bye week. Uh, yeah, in case you didn't know, NHL teams have bye weeks. Uh, this has been going on for a few seasons now. So the Caps' next game isn't until Saturday, February 11th. Uh, the Caps overall did not have a good month of January, but they did end the month with a win. Uh, the Caps improved to 27-20-6 with a 4-3 overtime win at the NHL Worst 
Columbus Blue Jackets on Tuesday night. Yes, it did take overtime for the Caps to win at the worst team in the NHL, but the Caps did win. Uh, center Evgeny Kuznetsov scored the game-winning even-strength goal just 26 seconds into overtime. The goal was his first goal since December 29th. It had been more than a month since Kuzi had scored a goal. You know, he has been doing other things. I mean, it's not like he's been, you know, a nothing burger, but uh, goals for Kuznetsov in January, hard to come by. But he, on Tuesday night, uh, did score the game-winning goal in overtime. Also had a primary assist. He did commit a first-period slashing minor, but Kuznetsov also finished number four on the Caps at five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 53 The Caps with Kuznetsov on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game. 16 shot attempts versus allowing 14 shot attempts. What stood out maybe as much as anything for the Caps in this game, the Caps' top defense pair, Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Eric Gustafson, uh, that defense pair was outstanding. Remember, the Caps remain without defenseman John Carlson. Uh, He's been out since being struck on the side of the head slash face by a slap shot by Winnipeg Jets defenseman Brendan Dillon in a 4-1 win over the Jets at Capital One Arena on December 23rd. The Caps also remain without forwards Tom Wilson, Nick Dowd, Connor Brown, and Carl Haglin due to injury. And so the Caps' top defense pair lately has been Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Eric Gustafson. Uh, Not the way that head coach Peter Laviolette drew things up coming into this season, but such is life. But those guys on Tuesday night were really good. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, aka TVR, uh, he had the first multi-goal game of his NHL regular season career. Not bad. He had two even trend goals and a game-high five block shots, and he finished number one on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 64.86. The Caps with Van Riemsdyk on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game, 24 shot attempts versus allowing 13 shot attempts. Uh, here was Peter Laviolette during his post-game session with reporters on Tuesday night on Trevor Van Riemsdyk. First time and career high for him, so that's that's good. He played a he played a really strong game for us tonight, and you don't expect um, you know on a nightly basis to see him popping in two goals, but when he does, it's certainly a, a bonus for our team. Yeah, and then Eric Gustafson, uh, he on Tuesday night had two secondary assists, a game-high five shots on goal, and a game-high eight total shot attempts, and he finished number two on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 63.41. The Caps with Gustafson on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game at 26 shot attempts versus allowing it. 15 shot attempts. Uh, the Caps' starting goaltender on Tuesday night was the backup, Charlie Lindgren. Uh, he stopped 31 of the 34 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, the Caps, per natural stat trick, did have just 49 five-on-five shot attempts to the Blue Jackets, 61. So not a pristine game for the Caps, but each team did wind up with the same number of shots on goal, 34. And so now the Caps have this extended break. Uh, They have 60 points, uh, now have a three-point lead on the Pittsburgh Penguins for the top wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, This has been a turbulent season for the Caps with all of their injuries. But, you know, you take a step back, all things considered, things uh, could be a lot worse than the Caps being 27, 20, and 6 and having the top wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference.
We moved out of college basketball. Big win for Maryland on Tuesday night. Heck, maybe the Terrapins' biggest win of the season so far. Maryland improved to 15-7 and overall and 6-5 and in the Big Ten with a 66-55 win over number 21 Indiana at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. The Terps now have won three consecutive games and for the team's last five games. And the Terps this season now have four quad one wins and three wins over teams ranked in Associated Press Top 25 polls. Uh, The Terps are building quite the NCAA tournament resume. Uh, The Terps' defense on Tuesday night was great. They held Indiana to just the 55 points, just three of 11 on threes, and just 18 of 45 on twos. Elite level defense was on display by the Terps on Tuesday night. Uh, Their offense was mixed, but ended up being good enough. Uh, The Terps did not shoot well from the field. They had another bad game on threes, five of 22 on threes, and the Terps went just 13 of 31 on twos. But the Terps did a really good job of generating free throw attempts. The Terps finished with 29 free throw attempts. To Indiana's 12, uh, Maryland went 25 of 29 on free throws. IU went 10 of 12 on free throws. And the Terps continued to take care of the basketball. Maryland finished the game with just five turnovers. Turnovers were a big problem for the Terps just a few weeks ago, but lately uh, the Terps have been much better in that regard. Uh, This was Terps head coach Kevin Willard during his postgame press conference late night on Tuesday night. I, I thought both teams played really well defensively. I thought it was a really physical um, battle. You know, a typical conference game in February. Are we in fe- February? Um, loved our effort. I thought our double teams were really great. Um, and I thought their defense was just as good. So I thought it was two very, very well-played teams played very good defense. Yes, they did. Uh, Jameer Young once again came through for the Terps. He in 37 minutes as a starter, three of six on threes. He did go just three and nine on twos, but he also went five of six on free throws. He finished with 20 points, six rebounds, two steals, and one assist versus two turnovers. Uh, Young now has scored at least 20 points in five of his last seven games. Julian Reese, uh, he on Tuesday night in 30 minutes as a starter, four or seven from the field, all twos, two or three on free throws. He finished with 10 points, 11 rebounds, including four offensive boards and two blocks. And he did this in a battle with Indiana's best player, Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, this guy is a force. He on Tuesday night in 39 minutes as a starter, seven of 13 from the field, all twos, four or five on free throws. He finished with 18 points, 20 rebounds, including five offensive boards and two assists versus two turnovers. You know, Julian Reese has faced some elite bigs lately. And while they have gotten theirs, uh, he also is getting his. We are seeing a growth in Julian Reese that's pretty encouraging. Uh, This was Kevin Willard during his postgame press conference late night on Tuesday night on the continued growth of sophomore Julian Reese, who, as you may recall, was a four-star recruit at a St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland. I thought it was awesome, man. Um, I, I, again, I know I, I think everyone was killing me on Twitter because of what I talked about him, but I think he's, he's a big-time, big-time player. Um, and I think Julian Reese is slowly turning into just his big-time player. Um, to sit there and battle the bigs he's had to battle for the last five games um, and really 
if not win it, break even. Just shows you how far Julian's come. Yeah, also Dante Scott, uh, he on Tuesday night in 37 minutes as a starter, went just one of seven on threes and just five of 11 on twos. He did go six to six on free throws and did finish with 19 points and five rebounds, including two offensive boards. Uh, the Terps are in a very nice place right now. Uh, next up for Maryland at Minnesota, Saturday night at nine. Also playing on Tuesday night was Virginia Tech. The Hokies had won two consecutive games since a seven-game losing streak, but the Hokies on Tuesday night did lose. Uh, they fell to 13-9 and overall and 3-8 and in the ACC with a 92-83 loss at number 23 Miami. Uh, this was a shootout. Each team was very good offensively. Tech just could not stop Miami. Tech allowed Miami to score 92 points and go 8 of 19 on threes and 27 of 41 on twos. So the Hokies went 7 of 17 on threes and 22 of 34 on twos. Hokies got some good individual offensive performances. Hunter Couture, 39 minutes as a starter, 3 of 6 on threes, 3 of 4 on twos, 5 of 5 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 4 assists versus 2 turnovers and 4 rebounds. Grant Vasili, 30 minutes as a starter, 2 of 5 on threes, 5 of 10 on twos, 1 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 17 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists versus no turnovers. Basili, by the way, he on Monday was named ACC Player of the Week. Sean Padula, 40 minutes as a starter, 2 of 5 on threes, 4 of 5 on twos, 6 of 6 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 3 assists, and 2 steals, but he did commit 6 turnovers. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech, in so many of its losses this season, has actually played decently, you know, even has played pretty well, just has like done enough to lose. And uh, what we saw on Tuesday night was another example of that. Next up for Virginia Tech, home to number six, Virginia, Saturday at noon. All right, one more item for you before we call it a show. And I'm not sure that this even qualifies as news at this point, but the sale of the Nationals continues to appear as if it's going nowhere. Uh, the belief is that the learners are not getting close to their asking price for the Nats, due in large part uh, to the mass and mess. And Barry's Verluga, columnist for the Washington Post, he in a piece that came out on Tuesday morning had the following quote, here's the reality of the national sale process. Some people with knowledge of it are under what one termed the operating assumption that the Lerner family will run the team for the entirety of the 2023 season, end quote. Uh, great. So the Nats may well be stuck with lame duck ownership for the entirety of the upcoming season. And then who knows after that? You know, we found out last April that the learners were selling at least a portion of the Nats. Well, here we are now in February 2023, and the learners still have majority ownership of the Nats and haven't sold any portion of their ownership. Uh, the sale of the Nats has turned into a complete debacle. You know, Forbes in March 2022 valued the Nats as being worth $2 billion dollars. But according to the sports junkies on 106.7 The Fan in January, the learners have been getting offers for the Nats of just over a billion dollars. And the mass and mess appears to be the primary reason. I mean, you think about it, 
Why would you spend billions of dollars on a baseball team when you have no true idea of what you're going to be generating in terms of local television revenue, which is a massive revenue source for Major League Baseball teams? The Masson dispute has been a big problem for the Nats for years, and the Masson dispute now has spilled over into being what appears to be the biggest obstacle to what needs to happen with the Nats, and that is the team being sold. Uh, Also wrote Barry in his piece, quote, the most likely buyer of the Nationals, if there's a buyer at all, is Ted Leonsis, CEO of Monumental Sports and Entertainment, which owns the Capitals, the Mystics, and the Wizards. Importantly, Leonsis now owns NBC Sports Washington, effectively a mass and rival. He has an interest in the Nationals as a team and as programming inventory. There's no moving forward without at least some certainty on what Masson could bring in, preferably with a solution in which the Orioles and Nationals find a way, read, money, to grant the Nats their media rights. End quote. Yeah, I mean, what would be ideal would be the Nats getting on their own regional sports network, like, say, NBC Sports Washington, the Orioles remaining on Masson. Each team has its own regional sports network, and each team lives happily ever after. But we know that the O's aren't just going to let that happen. And, of course, the O's have their own ownership mess with the Angelos family feud. And so this Masson dispute goes on. This Masson dispute goes back to 2012. Do you know that? We're now in 2023. This thing has been going on for more than a decade, and the dispute still has not gotten resolved. Now, the Nats are rebuilding, so them like spending a lot of money on players isn't what the team should be doing right now anyway, but it's never good for an organization to have ownership that doesn't truly want the team. And we know that the learners don't truly want the Nats at this point. And you think about the Nats front office, which is of vital importance as the team is in the midst of the rebuild. You know, is the front office being properly staffed and properly funded? Are people going to be staying in the front office, who you want to be staying, is something like the Nats analytics department, which has been in dire need of being upgraded, uh, being properly staffed and properly funded. Hard to feel supremely confident in all of these things when the team has lame duck ownership and appears poised to be staying with lame duck ownership for a while, maybe even a long while. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 499. We'll give you lots more on the Commanders. Uh, also, we'll talk Wizards and Georgetown basketball. The Wiz are at the Detroit Pistons Wednesday night at 7. The Hoyas are home to Creighton Wednesday evening at 6.30. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. I'm telling you, watch the the Washington Commanders in this. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.